0: Welcome to our resumption of our study of the book of Jeremiah. Before we um, study it together, let me open our time together with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are uh, the sovereign Lord of all things, and you work all things uh, for good um, for your people. uh, And we. uh, Know that especially uh, this week as we grieve uh, with our brothers and sisters at Covenant School and Church in Nashville, um, even as um, Pastor Scruggs last night had to conduct uh, the funeral of his own nine-year-old daughter. Lord, pray that um, you would be uh, mightily in their presence at this moment, uh, giving uh, your comfort uh, and your love in this their time of sadness. Uh, may they find their joy in you, and may you uh, already uh, through these things be working a work of healing in them. We thank you for how you teach us by your word, uh, that you show us uh, who you are, that you are the God of all nations, and that you've called us uh, to, to acts of faith and repentance, uh, to love you uh, and to show that love by our obedience to what you've commanded. Um, even as we see uh, the people in Jeremiah's day uh, struggling to discern uh, what is the true word of the Lord. uh, May you help us to examine all things uh, by the word of truth that you've given us uh, in your scriptures, um, that you would use it um, to to equip us uh, as we live our daily lives and as we encounter others and as we try to discern what is true and what is false. Lord, we teach, ask that you would teach us this morning, teach us by your Holy Spirit. May the same Spirit that spoke uh, through your prophet uh, speak to this, speak to us this morning as we um, uh, talk of your scriptures together. Uh, we ask this in the mattress name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, amen. All right, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 27, and as you're flipping uh, there, Let me just briefly recap what we talked about last week uh, when we looked at Jeremiah chapter 26. So again, Jeremiah took us to a particular moment in his prophetic ministry, uh, this time to the beginning of the reign of King Jehoiakim, and he gave us a glimpse of one of his sermons that he preached in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, His message called the people to repent of their evil deeds and their evil ways, Uh, in hopes that God would relent from the disaster he was going to bring upon them. If they did not repent, Jeremiah told them, God would destroy the temple and the city. Rather than uh, hearing that message and turning from their evil, uh, the people turned on the prophet, saying that he would die for his blasphemous prophesying of destruction on the places that they viewed to be inviolable. All the priests and all the prophets and all the people dragged Jeremiah to the gate to triumph for his message. In his defense in that courtroom scene, Jeremiah stated that, that Yahweh had sent him and had given him the message that he proclaimed. He used the, the trial as an opportunity to once again preach repentance. Now, therefore, mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. Um, Jeremiah's words convinced his hearers at least uh, not to execute him. Um, The elders recalled that in Hezekiah's time, the prophet Micah said much the same thing about Jerusalem, and King Hezekiah listened to the prophet, uh, and God relented averting the disaster being brought by the Assyrians. So the elders did not sentence Jeremiah to death, but released him. Um, Chapter 26's ending, however, uh, reminded us that at the same moment, King Jehoiakim put the prophet Uriah to death, emphasizing the real danger the true prophets of God were at the time of Jeremiah. So today we're going to do... Two chapters, don't freak out on me. <laughs> You'll see why. It's, it's all one story, and I didn't want to break up the story, especially with you know a week off for Easter in between. Um, but we're going to cover two chapters that are going to continue on this theme of true prophecy and false prophecy. Um, they're linked together by another one of Jeremiah's symbolic actions, Uh, This time God commands him to make and wear a wooden yoke. Um, Another feature that binds these two chapters together is Jeremiah's um, uh, continuing to oppose the voices of false prophets like Hananiah, who are advising just the opposite of what God is teaching through the prophet Jeremiah. So with that as a word of introduction, Hear now the word of God in Jeremiah chapter 27, and we'll be reading through uh, the end of chapter 28. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus the Lord said to me, make yourself straps and yoke bars and put them on your neck. Send word to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the sons of Ammon, the king of Tyre, and the king of Sidon, By the hand of the envoys who have come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah, give them this charge for their masters. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, this is what you shall say to your masters. It is I who by my great power and my outstretched arm have made the earth with the men and animals that are on the earth, and I give it to whomever it seems right to me. Now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And I have given him also the beast of the field to serve him. All the nations shall serve him and his son and his grandson until the time of his own land comes. Then many nations and great kings shall make him their slave. But if any nation or kingdom will not serve this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon... "...and put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, I will punish that nation with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, declares the Lord, until I have consumed it by his hand. So do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your fortune tellers, or your sorcerers, who are saying to you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon." For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you with the result that you will be removed far from your land, and I will drive you out and you will perish. But any nation that will bring its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will leave on its own land to work it and dwell there, declares the Lord. To Zedekiah, king of Judah, I spoke in like manner. Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon, and serve him and his people and live. Why will you and your people die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, as the Lord has spoken concerning any nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are saying to you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you. I have not sent them, declares the Lord, but they are prophesying falsely in my name. With the result that I will drive you out and you will perish, you and the prophets who are prophesying to you. Then I spoke to the priest and to all this people saying, thus says the Lord, do not listen to the words of your prophets. ...who are prophesying to you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you. Do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city become a desolation? If they are prophets, and if the word of the Lord is with them, then let them intercede with the Lord of hosts that the vessels that are left in the house of the Lord and the house of the king of Judah and in Jerusalem may not go to Babylon. For thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars, the sea, the stands, and the rest of the vessels that are left in the city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, did not take away when he took into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, concerning the vessels that are left in the house of the Lord, in the house of the king of Judah, and in Jerusalem. They shall be carried to Babylon, and remain there until the day when I visit them, declares the Lord. Then I will bring them back and restore them to this place. In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord and the presence of the peoples, and all the people saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah, the prophet, in the presence of the priest and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen, may the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Yet hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesied peace, When the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke bars from the neck of Jeremiah, the prophet, and broke them. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within two years. But Jeremiah the prophet went his way. Sometimes, sometime after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke bars from off the neck of Jeremiah the prophet, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go tell Hananiah, thus says the Lord, You have broken wooden bars, but you have made in their place bars of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put upon the neck of all these nations an iron yoke to serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him for I have given him even the beast of the field. And Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it as we speak of it together this morning. So the key aspect that ties these two chapters together is this symbolic prophetic action of the yoke that God commands Jeremiah to make and wear around. And you can go ahead and like, it's no joke. No, sorry, it's no yoke, no, it is a yoke. Sorry, I had to get it out of the way. It's like been bugging me all morning. Like how many yoke puns am I gonna make? That's it, I'm done. So, so here he is, he's, he's putting on the, this yoke um, and he, he goes to different audiences as we'll see. But overall, what is the message of wearing this yoke? Um, what, what is this symbolic action uh, intended to convey? Yeah, Teresa. Okay, bondage to wherever they are in, so Yeah, so Babylon, again, uh, we're in the uh, beginning of Zedekiah's reign, so several years previous, um, Nebuchadnezzar came and, and captured the city of Jerusalem, put Jerusalem under his control, set Zedekiah up as his king um, kind of his, you know, lackey king took Jeconiah and all those other, as we saw several chapters ago, um, the, the best nobles of the city, dragged them all off to captivity. And now we're at this moment um, in Zedekiah's reign that, uh, that, you know, God is telling Jeremiah to make this yoke and put on and go around and tell them you need to keep serving. Nebuchadnezzar. Good, what else does the the action of making and putting on this yoke mean? In what way? So, <laughs> Yeah, yoke, I mean, so if you think about what a yoke is and what it means, so a yoke, first and foremost, is to put on cattle so that they'll Plow where you want to plow. They'll pull a cart where you want the cart to go. So the yoke fundamentally is a symbolic um, instrument of submission. So so to be yoked is is in a sense to um, is to be uh, in submission to someone. Um, so so I'd say the the New Testament yoke there is in the same thing. Like that this idea that the yoke symbolizing submission. Here, the yoke is specifically symbolizing um, the people's submission to Nebuchadnezzar, who is himself subject to God. As it makes clear, yeah, submit yourself to Nebuchadnezzar. Put on this yoke, wear the yoke, serve Nebuchadnezzar with this yoke upon you. Um, You might not like it, (laughs) you might not want it, um, but this is what I'm calling you to do right now. And Nebuchadnezzar is, is as we talked about this word um, a couple weeks ago, Nebuchadnezzar is my servant, my tool, my instrument, um, who I am using in this, at this moment of time. It is by my great power and my outstretched arm that I've made the earth with the men and animals that are on the earth, and I give it to whoever it seems right to me, Now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar um, for a time. And he says, like, Nebuchadnezzar himself will be judged, dragged off, or his children, you know, his people made slaves. So um, it's not a uh, serve Babylon forever. It's for, for this moment, God is calling this people to submit to King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, this is, he said, this is my punishment. Accept the punishment. Um, to, 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 to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar is to reject God's judgment upon them. It's, it's rebelling against what God has commanded. So yeah, it, it's the act of submission. They're being called to submit to Nebuchadnezzar, but in reality, it's a submission to God. What God has called for them at this moment and if we kind of like read between the lines a little bit, maybe here, um, like notice there are all these kings or envoys of these kings who've come to Jerusalem. Um, why are they there? And, and the kind of uh, implication is they're there to plot rebellion. They're there to to get Zedekiah to get on board and um, and rebel against Nebuchadnezzar and. Right around this time, um, Nebuchadnezzar was experiencing um, some internal uh, struggle and external foe that's not named in the Babylonian Chronicles. So we know like this moment right now, um, Nebuchadnezzar has his hands full um, back in Babylon. He's dealing with uh, internal political troubles in his nation. So you can see how these people are on the western edge of the kingdom of Babylon might think, oh, this is a good moment to rebel. Like he's having troubles at home. We on the western edges of his empire can unite together and throw off the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, throw off his rule over us. Um, So as we think about like why this particular moment that um, for, for Jeremiah to start walking around Jerusalem with this yoke on. Like, can you imagine like having to go indoors sideways? Like, you know, or like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> bumping people down the street. Like, you know, it, it, you know, again, you can imagine Jeremiah's like, really, do I have to go around like this? <laughs> um, but, but he does, and, and part the first audience for this message are these envoys. Send word to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the sons of Ammon, the king of Tyre, and the king of Sidon by the hand of the envoys who've come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah. So the message starts with the nations around Judah telling them, Nope. (laughs) Uh, Any nation that will not serve this Nebuchadnezzar and put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, I will punish that nation with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, declares the Lord, until I've consumed it by his hand. So he starts off telling all the nations around Judah, you wear the yoke. And then he turns and tells Zedekiah, you keep wearing the yoke. Uh, and then he has a message to the people that's kind of related in a different way, so we'll get to that. But his the initial message of the yoke is to these other nations and to King Zedekiah. Yeah, Chris.
1: consequences
0: of rebelling against his will. Yeah, so, absolutely. And it's this idea, like, the this, the grace that he's bestowing on his people, he's extending that grace, as you say, to the nations around him. And again, Jeremiah is not called specifically to be a prophet to Judah. God called him to be a prophet to the nations. Like, So this is in his um, work description. <laughs> um, and... And God at this moment is telling his people submit and live and, and saying that to the nations around them. He's giving them the same message. Look, if you want to, to live and survive through the reign of, of Babylon, submit. Don't rebel. Rebellion leads to all the consequences of war. And if you look in you know, the, the Bible, um, kind of consistently uses this idea of sword famine and pestilence as, as being the consequences of warfare. Like these things go together. Um, so you can submit and live and stay in the land that, that God has given you and endure the, the short time, like he puts a limit. Nebuchadnezzar, his son, his grandson, like that's a defined period. Endure it, submit. And then I'll bring up other nations to take care of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. Um, So he is extending this this grace uh, in his sovereignty. Um, And as we think of like what's the theological concept like running throughout um, this passage, it is once again a declaration, God is the sovereign God of all the nations of the earth. He's moving these nations around like chess pieces to accomplish his will. And it's not the peace's job to rebel. <laughs> it's the peace's job to, to obey, to submit to the will of God, um, to obey. Good, other things about the overall message of the yoke. Okay, so three audiences. So we get these, these envoys of, of the, the various kingdoms. We get the message to King Zedekiah, which is essentially the same. Um, And then we have the message to the priest and to all this people. Um, So, sorry, my question's on a different page. Um, So so three groups. Um, What's the element of the message that is consistent to all three groups? Don't Don't believe the lie. And what is the lie? Yeah, so these, there are these other prophets. And, and notice, like, you know, they're in these other nations. Do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your fortune tellers, your sorcerers, who are saying to you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon, for it is a lie they are prophesying to you. And then to Zedekiah, do not listen to the words of the prophets who are saying to you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon. For it is a lie that are that they are prophesying to you, um, and then to the priest and all this people. Do not listen to the words of your prophets who are prophesying to you, saying, "Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon." For it is a lie that they're prophesying to you. So, yeah, why the why the lie? Um Like, who are what are these people trying to? to accomplish by spreading this, what Jeremiah says, is a falsehood. Here, Ronnie. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, like, I, I mean, it is, we are in a different p- position, but essentially that's what God is telling them, saying don't rebel, submit to this foreign power, where every ounce of national feeling that that these various nations and Judah is like them is, no, we wanna be independent, like we, wanna, we don't wanna be governed by someone else, we wanna govern ourselves, um, and so, like, you know, nobody likes to submit to some <laughs> despotic outside <laughs> um <laughs> emperor. Like, like so it's gonna be a much more popular message to say, now's the moment. Like, Nebuchadnezzar's weak, throw off his reign. Like that is the popular message. And as you say, that's what people wanna hear. Like They want to know that God's on their side in this moment of rebellion, that, oh, all those people taken off into exile, they're going to come back. All the stuff that was stolen from the temple and from the king's palace, within two years, it's all going to be back, back in place. Everything will be back to normal. Um, And again, it's this image that Jeremiah's given us over and over again of peace, peace, when there is no peace. Like, you know, they're painting this picture of all is well, all is well, when all is rotten, Um, as we saw last week. Like, you know, he's, he's describing the people's works and ways as evil. You are continuing in your evil works and your evil ways, and because of that, God has brought the punishment through Nebuchadnezzar, and they can either submit to the punishment and um, accept this hard message uh, and live, and they don't want to, they want to listen to the message that says all's gonna be well for them. They want the, you know, like, ah, Jeremiah, you're such a negative Nelly, (laughs) like, can't we get someone who speaks some light and joy and happiness, Uh, (laughs) you know? And so there are lots of people who are willing to do that. People who want to, who are willing to say the kind of things that, in both the kings, and notice how it's a different message to the kings a little bit. The prophet's message to the kings is, uh, you know, you'll rebel. Now's the time, rebel. And his message to the people is, oh, prosperity is gonna come back. All those things taken from you, the glories of the temple, uh, all these external things that were stolen are all gonna return, even the people themselves who've been already dragged off into com- captivity, they're all going to come back and it's all going to be well and great. And, and Jeremiah's like, it's all a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> and notice that's, that's the refrain in here. Uh, they're prophesying a lie. That is a lie. That is a lie. That goes against what God has told you over and over and over again and how do we know it's a lie because it goes against the word of the lord Um, and instead of like saying like like i love this line in verse 18 if they are prophets and if the word of the lord is with them then let them intercede with the lord of the host that the vessels that are left in the house of the lord and the house of the king of judah and in jerusalem may not go to babylon so jeremiah is like Rather than prophesying this pie-in-the-sky vision of everything's gonna come back and be restored, they should be on their knees praying to God, don't let it become worse. <laughs> um, let us keep the stuff we have. Um, you know, Let it, the city and temple not be completely destroyed um, and uh, emptied of its treasures. Um, You know, let not more people being taken away in captivity. Um, And, you know, they're gonna, the falsehood of their message is gonna come when they themselves are carried to Babylon uh, too. Like, you know, their prophecies are gonna be shown to be false because, I mean, you know, we're in Judah's last king. So within a few years of this, They're all gonna be taken into captivity. Um, Jerusalem's gonna be destroyed. The temple's gonna be destroyed. So we're not talking about, oh, let's wait a long time and see who's right and who's wrong. No, it's one, we know the message is false and a lie because it's going against everything God has said (laughs) up to this moment. Um, That's not what God has said through this prophet and that prophet and this prophet. you know, God hasn't changed, so why is the message changed? Well, the message changed because it's, it's not God's message. It's a lie that's coming packaged in the message as if it's God's word. Good, what else uh, strikes you about this kind of presence of these false prophets? We're about to turn to 28 and meet one. <laughs> um, we, we get to meet some of these guys uh, by name, uh, Hananiah, uh, in chapter 28, and then we can come back uh, in chapter 29, Shemaiah, uh, another one of these false prophets. Um, anything else about the false prophets in chapter 27? Yeah, Mike. The way the message always slides. Like, I mean, think about people who, like prophesy the, like, like I, 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 you know, I do history, so you know, all the Millerites who are prophesying that the world's going to come to an end uh, in 1844 and on this particular date. Day comes, doesn't? Oh, yeah, we miscalculated. We were using the American calendar instead of the Jewish calendar, so it's in the fall. Doesn't happen. Oh wait, we <laughs> forgot to take this in, um, and then you eventually get to the seventh day after the Adventists. Oh, it really did happen, but it was a heavenly event, not an earthly one. So we, it happened. We just didn't see it. Uh, there's always like a hedging of, of false prophecies, like you know, prophesy doom uh, or peace, and you know, in this case, peace. They're prophesying peace. It doesn't happen well, this disaster, it's only gonna be short, um, you know, and and God's gonna bring everybody back. And and Jeremiah's like, no. And and we'll see it in the next chapter. Jeremiah writes a letter to all those people that are referred to here, that were taken into captivity in Babylon. He writes a letter to them and says, build houses. (laughs) Uh, Get jobs. Uh, make yourself at home because you're going to be there for a while, um, and and they write back like, "What what is this?" <laughs> Jeremiah is saying we're going to be here for a while, and again the response is, "No no no, it's two years tops. Like you'll you'll be back." Um, so yeah, it, it's always and people are willing to believe it because it's again in line with what they want to hear. There nobody's like, "Well that." contradicts what you said last week. Um, no, it, it's always the message that people want to hear, so people are willing to suck it up and, and you know, eat it up uh, uncritically. Say, well, we were deceived by these false prophets, any more than Eve could say, the serpent deceived me. Like, no, the, the serpent just told you the stuff that you wanted to hear. Like, the responsibility is yours. So, as you uh, say, Chris, there is no excuse. <laughs> they can't say, they can't play, plead, oh, we didn't know the right message, the wrong message. No, the wrong message came to you and you listened to it. The wrong message was shown to be wrong. The same wrong people gave you another wrong message to it and you listened to them. That message was proved wrong. They gave you another wrong message and you listened to it instead of listening to me and listening to what I have truly said in my word. Um, And again, this this isn't like subtle gradations of like, all right, is this truth or is this over here truth? No, we're talking about things that are polar opposite to one another. God is saying submit to Babylon. These other prophets are saying rebel against Babylon. You can't get more opposed than that. Um, They're saying this this captivity, this initial captivity is going to be short. God's saying you're going to be there for 70 years. Build a house. Um, You know, again, complete opposite. So as we like wrestle, like how do we know what's a true prophet and what's a false prophet? Well, the false prophets are saying what's completely, it's not just like slightly off. (laughs) It's completely opposed to what God is saying. Okay, so in chapter 28, we get to meet one of these false prophets, uh, Hananiah. So um, what's Hananiah's message and how does Jeremiah respond to it? Yes, Cynthia. Yeah, and, and, and God says, like, this stuff is going to come back. Like, at the end of chapter tw- 27, sorry, I skipped over the one, like, glimpse of hope in all this. Uh, chapter 27, um, they shall be carried to Babylon and remain there until the day when I visit them, declares the Lord. Then I will bring them back and restore them to this place. So, so God is saying there will, after this punishment, there will be a restoration. Um, and it's, but it's going to be a while. Um, and Hananiah's message is like, no, there's there's no wait. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. Um, So all that stuff is going to come back. All the people are going to come back. I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord. And notice he's using um, all the same phrases that Jeremiah uses. Like, he starts off his message. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And then he ends it um, with that declaration. Um, uh, declares the Lord. So it's, you know, he's, he's not prophesying in the name of Baal, this is a prophecy in the name of Yahweh, but it's completely the opposite of what God is telling Jeremiah. Um, So as we think of Hananiah's message, um, he's he's this prophet um, who is speaking to Jeremiah, so it's kind of like prophetic showdown, Apparently, Jeremiah's still wearing the yoke around. <laughs> um, that had to have gotten uncomfortable after a while. I wonder, he probably got used to it. Like, oh yeah, it's handy, I could carry stuff on it. <laughs> um, but like, so, you know, so Jeremiah's wearing this yoke and Hananiah approaches him in the temple and and using the same prophetic declaratives of thus says the Lord, Um proclaims a message that is completely contrary to what Jeremiah's been saying. Um, Yeah, what else strikes you about Hananiah? Yeah, and notice like Jeremiah doesn't like he's not against the message. Like, you know, notice Jeremiah's response. Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you've prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon all the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. He's saying, "Yeah, that that'd be great." It's not going to happen in the time frame you're saying, but But yeah, let let that come true. Um, but But he says, like, yet hear now this word of the Lord, this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great nations. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. So it's like the proof is gonna be shown by, by what happens. And for this Hananiah to be prophesying peace, 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 if there's not peace, then clearly that's showing he is a false prophet. Yeah, like he's he's being gracious to, to Hananiah in this moment. And and he like I think he's a little flabbergasted when, when Hananiah um, combats his symbolic action with one of Hananiah's own symbolic actions. So, you know, imagine this moment. Here Jeremiah's been wearing this yoke around, you know, like visibly preaching, <laughs> serve the king of Babylon. And Hananiah comes up to him in the temple, takes that yoke off him and breaks it um, and, and says, no, this is what God's going to do. He's going to take the yoke off us and he's going to break it. And and Jeremiah, yeah, <laughs> as you say, it is kind of like he, he walks away. <laughs> like he, he doesn't um, respond in the moment. Um, he responds with the word of God, which comes to him, uh, later, and the text tells us, like, there's a, you know, it's not an immediate response. Jeremiah, in a sense, waits for God's word um, to, to come, and then the response comes, and like, look, can I, yeah, you can take a wooden yoke off me and break it, but God's put an iron yoke on you. You, you can't break that, <laughs> like, you, you can't break the will of God. Um, you, you can take the, the symbol that God has, has given to show what you should do, and you can break the symbol, but you can't break the thing that the symbol is there to signify. You can't break the will of God. You can't um, undo what God has um, said he is going to do to this people. Uh, they're going to serve Nebuchadnezzar you know, with this yoke of iron. And in fact, by what you're saying, you're making it worse Like, it's not that just, you know, Hananiah's message and telling the people what they wanna hear isn't, you know, just empty calories. It's actually causing them harm. It's gonna make the judgment worse. The more they rebel, the more they get crushed by Nebuchadnezzar. Um, God is telling them, don't rebel, submit to Nebuchadnezzar. So the more they rebel, the worse it's gonna be for them. So his message isn't just, you know, again, like, just sweet, empty calories. No, it's, it's actually furthering their doom. Like, the, the lie is not innocuous. The lie, uh, though it, the lie is conforming to what the people themselves wanna hear, the lie is, is, um, is, is bringing destruction. Um, as he says, um, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. You've made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. Like, you know, he, he's bringing judgment against him because you've uttered rebellion against the Lord. Like, it, again, it's not just an innocuous message, it's a message completely opposite to what God's saying but it's being packaged as if it's the word of God, which makes that message that much worse. Um, so it's, uh, I mean, it's similar today where people who, you know, are in Christian churches this very morning are preaching and proclaiming things that are completely opposite to what God has said. I mean, that, that, that would be our closest analogy um, to what Jeremiah is dealing with. Yeah, that you know, it's actively, intentionally causing other people to to go in a path, to walk in a way that is completely opposite of what God has commanded. Um, Again, a a prophet is is supposed to be there proclaiming, and as you know, we talked about last week, the central message of true prophets always you know, starts with this core of repent. <laughs> um, you, you know, God is going to do good things, but God wants you to repent. Um, God is willing to relent of the punishment, but you have to repent. And, and Hananiah is promoting this, like, like there's no, like he's prophesying all these good things, but there's no, um, there's no change. Like, there's the people don't have to do anything. Like, it's, it's status quoism. Like, oh, you're fine the way you are. Um, you know, God is going to do good to you, even though you're doing evil. Don't worry. You know, God's long suffering. Um, so, it's, it's t- taking the words of God, and, and as you said earlier, taking truth, true things, but not giving the whole story. Yes, God said, you know, made all these promises concerning the temple in Jerusalem, but they were all conditional promises. Um, they were all promises based on the people believing in him, loving him, trusting him with all their heart, soul, and strength, obeying him. And, and they want all the, the blessings with, with none of the, the work, none of the relationship. Uh, they want the fruit <laughs> uh, but without the the heart that produces um, you know fruit in keeping with repentance. I mean I would say no but <laughs> um yeah uh I I wasn't prepared for for ethics this morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um in this case no. It, it is not okay to to be giving this false hope. Like cuz that's what, you know, Hannah and I is extending here. False hope like when you know it it's over. Like you know we're we're in We're in literally Judah's last years. Um, So to be prophesying peace at that moment is, yeah, is like, it's a white lie that people wanna believe, but is harmful to them. Again, it's, it's not a white lie that has no consequences, it's a white lie that confirms people in their continued path of rebellion and disobedience. So it's not a neutral lie. It is a lie that is augmenting the destruction that's gonna befall them. Yeah, John. Yeah, absolutely. Like this word of God, and we talked about it last week. This is a, the word of God is powerful. Like the word of God doesn't isn't just words. It, it's words that um, are accompanied by action. So for 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 people to take something that's not the word of God and to present it as the word of God is um, it is so. Like it's the height of blasphemy. I mean, and that's why Deuteronomy says the false prophet should be put to death. The prophet who says things in my name that do not come to pass, put him to death because that is an abomination that has to be uh, eliminated. And, and that is what um, Judah at this moment is rife with. People who are refusing to heed the true word of God And instead, believing a lie. And again, chapter 27, that refrain, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. Um, In chapter 28, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. You have made this people trust in a lie. It's false. It's not the word of God. And you'll know it's the word of God because when God says a word, it happens. And God says a word here that we see happen. Behold, I'll remove you from the face of the earth this year you shall die because you've uttered rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. So, you know, earlier Jeremiah held out this test for the prophet who prophesies peace. When the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it won't be known that the, word, that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. Like So if the prophet says something and it comes to pass, that's a sign that that person truly spoke from the Lord. So Jeremiah says, this year you shall die. Hananiah dies just a couple of months later. People should realize <laughs> this is the true word of God. This is the false word of God. Um, but what they need is, I mean, as we've seen earlier, in Jeremiah, they need a heart transplant. Um, you know, they need a heart that is willing to repent, um, because in their stubborn wickedness, they are continually choosing to believe the lie. Like it's, again, it's not passive. Um, they are actively willing to listen, which is why they have to actively work to, to not believe in the lie. Like it takes effort. Believing the lie is easy. Um, that, you know, that's why it's a lie. <laughs> that's the easy path. Um, that's why, to go back to Dave's point, that's why we tell white lies. We tell white lies because it's easier that way. Uh, it's usually easier for us, the person telling the lie. We think we're doing it for the good of the person we're lying to, but, but really it's easier for us. Um, whereas the lie at this moment is only bringing further destruction on this people. And so Jeremiah like, you know, has to, go to these extreme measures to wear a yoke around, um, to, to you know, have confrontation after confrontation with priests and prophets, and as we saw last week, even the people themselves, to say over and over again, repent, um, you know, obey God, uh, s- obey God by submitting to the king of Babylon. It's not the message the people want to hear, but it's the message they have to hear if they want to live and, and receive the promises that God has given them. All right, well good, we made it through two chapters and I didn't go super, super over time, so that's a win-win. Uh, let me close this, our time together with a word of prayer. Gracious God, we uh, confess that uh, too often we are people willing to believe lies. Um, We are uh, willing to believe those things um, that offer um, false peace, um, that offer false hope, that offer false uh, comfort, um, that uh, distract us uh, with the temporary things of this world. Um, But Lord God, you are the one um, who holds uh, an eternal treasury uh, where neither moth nor rust can destroy Um, and everything else um, rots and corrupts. So, Lord, help us um, to turn our eyes and faith to you. Help us uh, turn our hearts and repentance to you. Um, May we look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and on the peace that comes alone uh, through him, a peace that um, he bought for us by um, sacrificing his life, by turning his life over to the hands of violent men that we might have peace with you and peace eternally. Lord, even as this week, uh, we uh, look uh, at um, the last days of our Savior's life. We also look uh, to that moment we'll celebrate in a week uh, where you raised him to life and through him raised us all to life eternal. Uh, Give us joy at that uh, hope. Uh, Help us yearn for that peace and help us to um, look to your word uh, to guide us uh, even in paths that are hard and difficult and uh, contrary uh, to what um, we're hearing elsewhere. Uh, Help us uh, hold fast uh, to your word and to your truth. And most of all, uh, help us hold fast to our Savior, Jesus Christ, um, through the work of your spirit in us, we pray.